بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مذل له ومن يذلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار uh, So today we begin a new series of lessons and these lessons inshallah will be uh, well, taken from this book Al-Fawaid Al-Majmu'ah Min Al-Liqa'at Al-Maftuha These are basically lessons that were given by one of the sheikhs of Medina One of the sheikhs who used to teach at the Islamic University of Medina And he is Sheikh Ubaid Al-Jabiri Hafidhahullah Ta'ala And these lessons were delivered between 2013 and 2014 In a masjid called Masjid Ridwan and these lessons have been obviously uh, printed and published in a book. And each lesson will take us maybe one lecture or maybe two lectures, at the most maybe three lectures. So they are short topics, maybe on a hadith, a hadith of the Messenger of Allah or maybe an ayah from the Quran. And so they are very short, beneficial, concise. Uh, lessons, inshallah ta'ala, that we want to uh, benefit from. And the first lesson today is a lecture on the hadith, the famous hadith, uh, to whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness, He gives him understanding of the religion. So we are going to, this is the first lesson. Of the first lecture that we are going to uh, go through, inshallah, and this may take us maybe two lessons at the most, inshallah, possibly three. Um, and this is the first lecture, obviously, in the in the book. So we start first of all by reading the hadith. This is a famous hadith. It is narrated by Imam Al Bukhari. Rahimahullah in Kitabul Ain. In Kitabul Ain, in the chapter to do with knowledge. And this hadith is narrated by one of the great companions of Allah's Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he is Mu'awiyah bin Abi Sufyan. Radiallahu anhu. So let's read, we'll read the text of the hadith, inshallah ta'ala. And this hadith is uh, narrated. From عن معاوية رضي الله عنه قال that معاوية he said سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول I heard the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم say من يريد الله به خيرا يفقهه في الدين to whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness he will grant him understanding or comprehension of the religion. And then the Messenger continued, he then said, وَإِنَّمَا أَنَا قَاسِمْ وَإِنَّمَا أَنَا قَاسِمْ وَاللَّهُ يُعْطِي He said, indeed, I am the distributor. I distribute. And Allah is the giver. Right? So the Messenger of Islam is the one who distributes the knowledge. Allah is the giver. <laughs> and then the Messenger continued. وَلَن تَزَالَ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ قَائِمَةً عَلَىٰ أَمْرِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَضُرُّهُمْ مَنْ خَالَفَهُمْ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ And then he continued and he said, This nation, this ummah, will never cease to be upon the command of Allah. 
And those who oppose them, those who oppose them, will not harm them until the affair or the command of Allah arise. Right? So this is the text of the hadith. And it is related by Al-Bukhari in Kitab Al-Ilm. And so what we do, inshallah, the, 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 the benefits from Sheikh Ubaid al-Jabi, what we do is take the benefits from the Sheikh in what he's presented and also um, bring some other benefits as well, inshallah. So first of all, the Sheikh begins after praising Allah and sending salat and salam upon our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And uh, he welcomes those who are listening, uh, thanking them for attending the gathering and especially to revise knowledge, revise knowledge in a masjid. And so we know the hadith of the Messenger of Allah when he said, مَا مِنْ قَوْمٍ اجْتَمَعُوا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ فِي مَجْلِسٍ إِلَّا حَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ That there is no people who gather together, no people who gather together in order to remember Allah to remember Allah, this means obviously knowledge, knowledge of Allah and His religion. That no people gather together in order to remember Allah in a, in a gathering, except that the angels lower their wings over them. Right? So, in any gathering that we attend in the masjid to seek knowledge, then the angels are also present. And they lower their, lower their wings lower their wings, they surround the gathering and they lower their wings out of um, mercy to the people and also out of humility as well for the knowledge because the angels you know they they give honor and respect to, to knowledge and its gatherings so this is the nature of these types of gatherings uh, my dear brothers and sisters in the, in the masajid of Allah and so we should have glad tidings that when we are in these types of gatherings, the mercy of Allah and the angels, they gather and we are under you know, the mercy of Allah The Shaykh then goes on to say, وَعْلَمُوا بَارَكَ اللَّهُ فِيكُمْ أَنَّ السَّعَادَةَ الْتَامَةَ الْعَامَةَ الَّتِي يَنَالُهَا الْعَبْدِ فِي دُنْيَاهُ وَأُخْرَاهُ لها سبيل واحد وهو الفقه في الدين والعمل به. He said, you should know, may Allah bless you, that complete and comprehensive happiness, right? So this is true, genuine happiness, which a servant can obtain in the world and the hereafter. It only has one path. It only has one path. Right? So again, see, we did, if you remember the previous discussion or the previous lesson that we had on about the good life, we are coming to, to the same issue here, the same, same point. What is the route to happiness? What is the route to general and complete happiness in the life of this world and the hereafter? Well, here we are approaching it from, from you know, another angle. The Shaykh says, it only has one way, one path. If you want to be genuinely happy, you know, the happiness of the heart. And that is, Simple. It is to gain comprehension of the religion. To gain an understanding of the religion, and then to act by it. To act upon what you know. This is the only path to genuine happiness. And then the Shaykh mentions the hadith, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا To whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness, He will give him understanding of the religion. 
So before we continue further into the, the commentary upon this hadith, I want to focus first of all on the narrator of the hadith. Who is the narrator? He is Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan, from the greatest, from, from one of the great companions. And we want to speak about Muawiyah anhu um, before we enter into, so that we understand who is the narrator of the hadith. Right? This is a companion who has many, many virtues, he has tremendous virtues. Muawiyah bin Abi Sufyan, he was one of the Muslims who accepted Islam towards the, towards the end, towards the end of uh, prophethood, just before the conquest of Mecca, before the messenger of Rasul, before he conquered Mecca, right? This is towards the very end. However, his father was Abu Sufyan. As you know, he was from the staunchest of enemies against Islam and the Prophet and the Muslims, Abu Sufyan. So when he accepted Islam, he had to spend a period of time to conceal his Islam, to hide his Islam from his father. As Muawiyah he said, as related by Ibn Asakir, I accepted Islam on the day of the affair. He's referring to the events of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, seven after Hijrah. But I concealed my faith out of the fear of my father. He also participated in some of the, the later battles, the Battle of Hunayn with the Messenger of Allah and uh, certain verses he's included, he's included amongst those people about whom certain verses in the Qur'an were revealed, right? So from those verses is the ayah in uh, Surah uh, At-Tawbah, ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَى رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Then Allah sent down His sakina, His tranquility upon the Messenger and upon the believers. Right? So Muawiyah comes under verses of the Qur'an and there are some other verses as well in Surah Hadith. Also, the Messenger of Allah made dua for Muawiyah anhu. He said, O oh Allah, make him a guide for others, guided in himself and guiding others through him. Right? So he's guided himself and he also guides others as well. What? Why are we mentioning these things about Muawiyah anhu? Is because Muawiyah holds a very, very special position as it relates to the rest of the companions. And we're going to see what that position is shortly when we look at certain narrations, inshallah. But Muawiyah, as you know, uh, he was, uh, the Messiah made dua for him. And likewise, also, there was a woman by the name of Umm Haram. And she heard the Messenger of Allah saying that Paradise of Forgiveness will become wajib for the first army of my Ummah who makes a sea expedition. Right? So the first one from my Ummah who embarks on an expedition by the sea, then paradise becomes wajib upon them. So this woman was listening to the Messenger of Allah make this supplication. So she said, O Messenger of Allah, am I from them? Am I from them? And he said, you are from them. You are from them. And then it so happened after the Messenger of Allah passed away many, many years afterwards, Muawiyah was the first one to make a sea expedition to Cyprus. Right? To Cyprus. So he went from the Mediterranean across over to Cyprus. And um, he conquered Cyprus. And this woman called Umm Haram, she was amongst them, and she eventually she died on the, the island of, of Cyprus. So this is basically a sign of the truthfulness of the Messenger of the Sub. It's a sign of his prophethood as well. So this is Muawiyah, 
holding a tremendous uh, position. Likewise, Muawiyah was someone who was a writer of revelation. He wrote the revelation of Allah As Ibn Taymiyyah mentions, that it has been established through large-scale transmission that the Prophet commanded Muawiyah as he commanded others, meaning to write the revelation. And Muawiyah made jihad alongside him, and he was trustworthy to the Messenger of Allah, writing revelation for him. And the Prophet did not suspect him at all in anything in writing the revelation. This is basically a refutation of the Rafidah and the Shia and other than them, who like to accuse certain companions of, of obviously uh, dishonesty, treachery, lying and the rest of it. And specifically they focus upon Muawiyah radiallahu anhu. Obviously because of what happened with Ali, you know, radiallahu uh, anhu later on, which was a trial for the, you know, for, for, for the Sahab. But they like to speak ill of him. However, the Qur'an, praise, he comes in the certain verses of the Qur'an, and the Messenger of the Sun made dua for him, trusted him with revelation, made dua for the one who goes on the sea expedition, which, which, which was Muawiyah. All of these are evidences to show that Muawiyah anhu was a trustworthy, upright, noble uh, companion. Muawiyah also is one who narrated 163 hadiths from the Messenger of Allah. Right? 163 hadiths from the Messenger of Allah Also, he is known as the uncle of the believers. The uncle of the believers. Why is he the uncle of the believers? It is because um, he is the brother of Um Habiba. Um Habiba is the daughter of Abu Sufyan. And the Messenger of Allah, he married her. So she is the mother of the believers. She is the mother of the believers, Ummul Mu'mineen. And Muawiyah is her brother. So therefore he is the uncle of the believers. Right? So this is now another angle, that he has a lofty position uh, in Islam. Also, it was Umar bin al-Khattab, radiallahu anhu, who gave Muawiyah the rule over Shah. He appointed him to rule over Shah. And obviously, this is because he trusted him. And his, his capabilities and his knowledge of the deen of Islam and its rulings, he obviously had trust in Muawiyah to appoint him to rule over the whole of Shah. And also he is the first of the kings of Islam. He was the first king in Islam. Right? And um, this we know from an authentic hadith as well. There's an authentic hadith in which the messenger of Allah he said um, this is now the message of Islam. He's describing the situation of his ummah. He said, the beginning of this affair, meaning Islam and its rulership, right? The first of it is going to be prophethood and mercy. Prophethood and mercy. There will be prophethood and mercy. Then there will be a khilafa and mercy. Right? So this would be Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhum. And that lasted for 30 years. 30 years. As we see in another hadith, right? That the khilafah will last for 30 years. Then he said, ثُمَّ يَكُونَ مُلْكًا وَرَحْمَةً Then there will be, then there will be kingship and mercy. Kingship and mercy. Right? So, then in other hadiths, he mentions that there will, later on there will be, you know, kingship and hardship and kingship and tyranny. That came afterwards. But the point being here, this is a reference to Muawiyah radiallahu anhu and his rule. 
right? He was the first of the kings, and his rule was a rule of mercy. And Imam al-Zahibi, rahimahullah, he said that Muawiyah is the chief of the believers, Amirul Mu'mineen, the king of Islam, and he, he is Abu Abdul Rahman, Abu Abdul Rahman, Muawiyah, Al-Qurashi, Al-Amawi, Al-Makki. And Ibn Abil-Iz, Ibn Abil-Iz, Al-Hanafi, Rahimahullah, the author of the Sharh of Tahawi Street, and he said, So Ibn al-Izz, rahimahullah, he said that Muawiyah, is the first of the kings of the Muslims. And he is the best of the kings of the Muslims. And likewise, Ibn al-Tabi, he said, the scholars are agreed that Muawiyah is the best of the kings of this ummah. For the four that were before him were the caliphs of Nubuwa. So they were the Khulafa, the Caliphs. And he was the first of the kings. His kingship was one of mercy, as has come in the Hadith. And there was in his kingship such mercy and gentleness and benefit for the Muslims that nothing better was known about the kingship of others besides him. And similarly, Al-Khallal, he narrates that Mu'afi bin Imran, uh, from amongst the, the Salaf, he was asked whether Mu'awiyah, Mu'awiyah or Umar bin Abdul Aziz, Umar bin Abdul Aziz, which of the two was superior, right? Mu'awiyah died in the year 60 Hijrah. He died 60 years after Hijrah. And Umar bin Abdul Aziz, as you know, he was the a khalif from the righteous khalifs, roughly around you know the turn of the century, around you know 9500 Hijrah. And so the question was asked, which of these two is superior? Is it Muawiyah, obviously who's a companion, or is it Umar bin Abdul Aziz? And Muawiyah and Muafi bin Ibrahim, he said, Muawiyah was 600 times the likes of Umar bin Abdul Aziz. 600 times. And there are other narrations as well which mention, for example, that Umar bin Abdul Aziz, without belittling Umar bin Abdul Aziz, of course, because he is, you know, also has a lofty position, but just to show the status of the companions, that Umar bin Abdul Aziz would not equal the dust, the dust on the sandal of Muawiyah, who basically engaged in, in you know, jihad alongside the Messenger of Allah right? So this is the status of the companion Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Now why is the issue of Muawiyah very important? It's because Muawiyah has, there's a, there's a very unique status which he has. And this status is known by 
a narration from Ar-Rabi' bin Nafi' al-Halabi and from the, you know, from, the, from the righteous Salaf. And this statement is the following. He said, Mu'awiyah sitru ashabi nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mu'awiyah is, is like the cover. He is the cover over the companions. He is the veil over the companions. فَإِذَا كَشَفَ الرَّجُلُ السِّتْرِ اجْتَرَعَ عَلَى مَا وَرَاهُ So when a man, he removes the veil, then he will become bold in going to what is beyond it. Right? What does this mean? It means that if anybody wants to attack the companions and belittle them and undermine them, then Muawiyah is the veil. Right? So he will go to Muawiyah. If he goes to Muawiyah and starts attacking Muawiyah, he's now removed the veil. The veil has been lifted. And then naturally he's going to go and, and proceed to, to others, to other companions. Right? So what this means is very clearly that Muawiyah basically is a mihna, is a trial. And this is exactly, it's another narration that Ibn Kathir brings from Abdullah bin al-Mubarak. Abdullah bin al-Mubarak, rahimahullah. And he said, Muawiyah indana mihnatun. Muawiyah to us is a mihna. He is a trial, he is an examination. فَمَنْ رَأِيْنَاهُ يَنْذُرُ إِلَيْهِ شَزْرًا إِتَّحَمْنَاهُ عَلَى الْقَوْمِ Whoever we see looking towards Muawiyah with a, you know, with a, with a, suspiciously, Whoever treats Muawiyah with like with a suspicious attitude, then we suspect him in relation to the people, meaning to the companions. So anyone who suspects Muawiyah, we suspect him that this man is suspicious and has evil intentions towards the companions of Allah's Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right? So Muawiyah has been made has been made a trial. And likewise, Imam Ahmed rahimahullah, was asked, uh, who, who, who from, uh, as narrated by Al-Fadl bin Ziyad, who said, I heard Abu Abdullah, Imam Ahmed, asked about a man who reviled Muawiyah and Amr bin Al-As, and whether he should be labeled a Rafidi, a Rafidi, a Shi'i. And he said that this man did not transgress against them, against Muawiyah and Abu ibn al-As, except that he was secretly harboring evil. No one ever belittled any of the companions, except that he has an evil intent. Right? So not only is Muawiyah a lofty and mighty companion, he came after the, the Khulafa, but he has been made a trial and a mihna. Right? He's been made the veil or the cover over the companions. So anyone we see trying to find fault with Muawiyah, trying to accuse him of whatever they try to accuse him, we know that this man has evil intentions to the companions as a whole. Right? Because he's li- if he's lifted that veil, then he's going to transgress over what is, you know, uh, you know for, for, for the rest of them. And that's why in the modern era, in the modern era, we see that many of many of those writers, thinkers, and authors who appeared in the 20th century and before them as well, those people who are largely responsible for the, the ideology of revolution, revolution against Muslim rulers, takfir of Muslim rulers, expelling Muslim rulers from Islam because of their sins, because of their alleged, sometimes they are alleged mistakes, sometimes they are actual mistakes, right? Or because they are sinful, or because they might be tyrannical, right? Those people who came out with that way of thinking, 
in the 20th century and before that as well, uh, such as, for example, Jamaluddin al-Afghani. Jamaluddin al-Afghani, he was a, a Rafidi Shi'i, Badri, pretending to be, you know, um, uh, pretending to be um, uh, an Afghani when he wasn't. He, he was a Persian, he was from, uh, from, from that region. He spoke ill of Muawiyah. Then along came after him Sayyid Qutb, the Ikhwani. He spoke very ill of Muawiyah and his father Abu Sufyan. Along came the likes of uh, Maududi. He did the same thing from the subcontinent, right? Likewise, An-Nabahani, Dakyudin Nabahani, right? He's uh, the founder of Hizbut Tahrir. All these people, you see from them that they spoke ill of Muawiyah radiyallahu anhu. So we can see, you know, so we, so we, we take the criterion that the Salaf laid down for us, that any man who wants to speak about Muawiyah, really he has a problem with other companions as well. But he's just not bold enough and courageous enough to really, you know, write it or to speak it because then he will be exposed. So Alhamdulillah, the Salaf gave us a criterion, right? We can, we can identify people because, you know, as you know, in real life, you know from experience, a lot of the times people don't reveal what, what their true intentions are. Right? They conceal their true intentions and they'll deal with you like on, on the surface, but you don't know their real and true intentions. And if they were to reveal their true intentions, then you know, they would give the game away and their objectives couldn't be realized. And so the same thing here with people who bring ideologies, who bring philosophies, who bring false methodologies, right? They hold things inside their hearts, but they can't speak with them. So they use indirect methods, or they use, you know... So that's why when, you know, the, 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 the criterion that the Salaf gave us, it allows us to know the realities of people. So here, as we've seen, anyone who speaks against Muawiyah, straight away, this is a person of evil, a person of innovation, he has evil intentions, He's concealing things like Imam Ahmed said, that he's not bold enough to reveal with his pen or with his tongue. Now, it's important always, the reason why I mention all of this about Muawiyah, is that when we come to learn these hadiths, these are very important foundational hadiths, right? We should learn the name of the companion who narrated that hadith. And then we should know the biographi biographical, general biographical details of that companion and his virtues and his excellence. And it will help us to remember the hadith as well. So whenever now you hear this hadith, whoever Allah intends to show goodness, He gives him understanding of the religion, you're going to know, I, this is Muawiyah bin Abu Sufyan. He was the first king of Islam. He was the best of the kings of Islam. He conquered Cyprus. Right? The Messenger of made dua for him. And he was a writer of revelation. And you remember all these things because you, know, you, you have to tie the, the, the hadith narrated to the, to the companion who narrated it and some of you know, his, his biographical uh, details. Right? So Mu'awi was amongst those people to whom Allah showed goodness, obviously, by virtue of the fact that he was granted rulership over Sham, and he went on expeditions, and so on and so forth. So this is the narrator of the hadith, Mu'awiyah bin Abi Sufyan, radiyallahu anhu. And so then, the Shaykh, Shaykh Ubaid, hafizahullah, continues, and then he explains to us, he says, فَمَا مِنْ دَعِيَةٍ إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَسِيرَةٍ يَحُمُّهُ حَالَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَفَرَّغَ نَفْسَهُ لِتَعْلِيمِهِمَ الْحَلَالِ وَالْحَرَامِ يعني كيف يعرفون الحلال من الحرام إلا وهو يسير على النهج العلمي قال الله قال رسوله. So then the Sheikh makes the point is that once we've understood that you must have comprehension of the religion, you have to start with this. You can't just go and start speaking about the religion from ignorance or from opinions. Are from you have to, it has to be upon comprehension in the religion. You, you've actually understood the, the various you know, aspects of, of, of the religion. 
So Shaykh says, there is no one who is a caller to Allah. One who calls to Allah upon insight, upon knowledge. Who is concerned with the state of the Muslims. And who devotes himself to teach them the halal and the haram. You know, meaning how to know the halal and the haram. Except that, that he must have a a methodology in knowledge. There must be a methodology in knowledge. Right? So the point being, that if you are someone who is going to call others to Islam, and teach others, and you are going to make clear to them, like the halal from the haram, and the truth from the falsehood, and sunnah from the bid, and so forth, then there must be a clear methodology you must have to proceed on that path. What is that methodology? And the Shaykh explains it very clearly. It is, Allah, that you say that you say, Allah said such and such, and His Messenger said such and such. Now, this is how we speak about the religion, right? We say, Allah said, and His Messenger said. This is our way. Not my opinion is, or my feeling is, or my belief is or I think, or whatever it might be, it's Allah said, and the Messenger said. However, on top of that, there's a third thing as well, وَيَحْرِسْ جَاهِدًا عَلَىٰ أَنْ يَقْتَفِي آثَارَ السَّابِقِينَ الصَّلَفَ الصَّالِحِ الْخَيِّرِينَ وَهُمْ كُلُّ مَنْ مَضَىٰ بَعْلَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى عَلَىٰ أَثَرِهِ مِنْ أَصْحَابِهِ وَالتَّابِعِينَ لَهُ بِحْسَانٍ he says, likewise, he is very eager to follow in the footsteps or the tracks of the foremost among the righteous salaf, right? Meaning the companions and their followers, the tabi'een, and those who came after them, the tabi'een. And so they are, they are that, that is a reference to everybody who came after the messenger of Allah, who followed in the footsteps of his companions, and whoever followed them in goodness, in every age, in every era, from the leading scholars of knowledge and the religion. Right? So in other words, we say Allah said, and the Messenger said, and in that we follow the companions, and those who followed them, the Tabi'een, and then those who followed after them, and we stick to their way. This is the methodology in, in knowledge. After this, the Shaykh then goes on to explain that we proceed upon seeking knowledge and learning knowledge by going through a book, for example, and then we complete the book, then we move to another book, then we complete that book, then we go to another book, and step by step we increase in our knowledge, and we, you know, basically we, we, we acquire knowledge in a step-by-step -step gradual fashion. This is the way that you take knowledge. This is what the Shaykh is mentioning, the alluding to, right? So knowledge isn't, you, you take knowledge all in one go, because as, as the Salaf said, whoever takes knowledge all in one go, he will lose it all in one go, right? But knowledge is something like, you take a pebble, and you collect that pebble, and you collect another one, and you collect that pebble, and you collect another one. And you keep collecting in, in small pieces, step by step, until eventually you can have you have a whole small mountain of pebbles which you, which you've built over a lifetime. But you take it step by step. You don't you don't try to you don't if if you try to as one of the uh, uh, imams of the salaf said as well, if you try to conquer knowledge, knowledge will conquer you. You can't you can't conquer all of knowledge because it's too much. Right? There's too much. The knowledge will conquer you. You will be the one who will be dominated. So you have to take knowledge piecemeal by piecemeal, step by step, like the companions used to do, as we mentioned in, in, in a previous lesson, that the companions would take ten verses of the Qur'an, ten verses of the Qur'an, memorize them, and then they would look to see what is in these verses. Is there any action in these verses? Is there any admonition in these verses? Are there any ahkam, any rulings in these verses? And they would derive the fiqh. They would take the understanding out of these verses 
they would take the admonishment out of these verses and then they would act upon whatever was, was in these verses if there was any action. Then after they had mastered those 10 verses, they moved to the next 10 verses. And in this manner, the, 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 the companions, they became scholars of the religion, right? And they did so over 23 years of revelation coming down. So remember, the revelation didn't come down all in one go. It came down piecemeal. So they took knowledge piecemeal. Right? So this is how knowledge is acquired. You don't, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be deceived into thinking that, you know, we can become, become scholars in three years or five years or whatever it might be and knowledge is just about memorizing. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's comprehension. It's, it's fiqh of the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. Um, so as the Shaykh says, over the passing of years, if we follow this basically methodology, then there will be many students of knowledge who will be created, they will, they will be generated, they will understand Tawheed, they will understand the Sunnah, and they will go and they will spread, and you know, they will, they will benefit, uh, they will benefit uh, people. So anyway, moving to the, to the Hadith now, the Shaykh then goes on to, we move to the second part of the Shaykh's lesson. This, this lesson was in two separate lessons. So the following week, the Shaykh continued with this thus, and uh, he then goes on to give us a, a basic uh, explanation of the essentials of this hadith. So he says, this hadith basically teaches us that there are two groups of people. There are two groups of people. وَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ يَتَدَمَّنْ أَوَّلًا أَنَّ النَّاسِ سِنْفَانْ لَا ثَالِثَ لَهُمَا This hadith, it comprises the benefit that people are only of two groups. There is no third for them. He mentions the first group. The first group are those to whom Allah Azawajal مَنْ يُتِيهِ اللَّهِ Subhanahu wa ta'ala al-basira al-mustanira wa yarzuqhum min al-ilmi ma yumayyizu bihi bin al-haqqi wal-baqi wal-huda wal-dalal wal-sunnah wal-bid'ah The first group of people are those to whom Allah gives this illuminating insight gives him knowledge this knowledge gives him comprehension that comprehension allows him to basically it gives him illumination he has a light right this now becomes a light for him he shines it in dark places so he can see clearly. And he gives him certain knowledge by which he can distinguish between truth and falsehood. Between what is guidance and what is misguidance. Between what is sunnah and what is bid'ah. And other such things. And, you know, from those things which are opposites. And things which might become confusing for people of ignorance. Right? People who are ignorant... They can be very confused between, well, what is, what is truth and falsehood? What is sunnah and what is bid'ah? What is guidance, what is misguidance, right? They don't have this ill, they don't have this comprehension of the religion. So when they enter into the, you know, the field of, of you know, life that we live, and then people come along, and one person says one thing, another person says another thing, a third person says another thing about tawheed, and another person says another thing, about Allah's attributes, and another one says another thing about some other topic, he's very confused. He, he can't see who, who is speaking the truth, who is speaking falsehood. Right? So this ability, this is knowledge that Allah gives to an individual by which he can remove confusion from himself. And so, uh, as, as uh, the shaykh continues, وَالْمَعْنَى أَنَّ اللَّهَ يَرْزُقُهُ كَذَلِكَ الْمَعْرِفَةِ so Allah gives that person sound, authentic knowledge. And so he knows that whatever Allah and his messenger commanded him with, he knows that that, it, that is the truth. And, you know, uh, he knows what to keep away from. And he knows what to believe in, what are the things that he should be believing in as part of his belief from the narrations and the reports that come to him about knowledge of the, about the affairs of the unseen. For example, Allah's attributes and what will happen on the day of judgment 
and the reward and the punishment and all of these things that they are true and they are real and how he ought to believe in them, right? So basically, a person now has comprehension, has the knowledge, he knows what is true, what is false, the creed which is true, the creed which is false, and he can proceed you know, in this way. The Shaykh then mentions the point that the person who is upon this path whom Allah gives this understanding, this comprehension, he must always be sincere. He must have sincerity. And he must know that this knowledge that he is acquiring of Allah, his names, his attributes, his religion, the halal and the haram and everything else, that Allah is worthy of worship alone, he must be constantly bringing to mind ikhlas, which is sincerity, to be sincere. It is not to show off. It is not to astound and amaze the people with knowledge. It is not to acquire knowledge just to argue with people. Some people acquire knowledge because they want to debate and argue, to win arguments. Some people acquire knowledge because they want to be seen, to be knowledgeable. This is insincerity, Allah will not reward this. Some people seek knowledge just because they want to become a teacher. Right? So the knowledge is not in order to act upon the knowledge, it's, uh, it's in order to earn a living. This also is not from sincerity. Right? This knowledge is too lofty and too important to be, to be tarnished by these other motives and intentions. Right? And knowledge <coughs> is sought to worship Allah with ikhlas, with sincerity. Likewise, one must also make mutaba'ah which is to follow and imitate the guidance of the Messenger of Allah when he, when he basically proceeds upon uh, you know, acting upon this knowledge. He must follow um, the guidance of the Messenger of Allah That's why the scholars used to say Al-Amal in faqad al-ikhlas ikhlas lillah kana shirkan aw riya'an wa in faqad al-mutaba'ah li rasul kana bid'ah Action, if it is lacking sincerity, then it is either shirk or riya. It is shirk or riya. It is shirk, setting up partners with Allah, or it is showing off. And if action is devoid of following the Messenger of Allah, meaning that you do this action upon the Sunnah, upon the Messenger, then it becomes a bid'ah. وَمَتَى جَمَعَ الْعَمَلُ الْإِخْلَاسِ لِلَّهِ وَالْمُتَابَعَ لِرَسُولِهِ كَانَ عَمَلُ أَهْلِ السُّنَّةِ But when he combines that in the action, sincerity to do Allah, and imitating and following the messenger, then this is the action of Ahlul Sunnah. Right? So all of this is the first category of people, right? In this hadith, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّحُ بِالدِّينِ there are actually two groups of people that are being mentioned. Even though on the surface it seems there's only one. Right? There are two groups being mentioned. The first group is very clearly what we understand from the, from the wording of the hadith. To whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness, He will give him understanding of religion. This is very clear. Allah gives him knowledge, gives him insight about creed, about the halal, about the haram, and so on and so forth. And He proceeds upon this with sincerity, and he acts upon his knowledge, and so he's, he is guided. Allah has intended goodness for him. But then there is also a second group of people. And this is understood from the mafhum, mafhum of the hadith. Right? So, the shaykh says that the reverse is also true as well. The reverse is also true as well. If the messenger said, "Man yuridi Allahu bihi khaira, yufakkihu fi din," to whomsoever Allah intends to show goodness, He will give him understanding of the religion. The reverse is also true. To whomsoever Allah does not intend to show goodness, He will not give him understanding of the religion. Do you understand? Right. So the opposite is also true. 
And as the Shaykh says, مَفْهُومُ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَنَّ مَنْ لَا يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا لَا يُفَقِّحُ فِي الدِّينِ Right? Allah will prevent him from gaining understanding in the religion. Why? Because Allah already knows in his prior knowledge and he knows in what the pen wrote down in the Lawh al-Mahfuz that there are certain people who don't want guidance. They will not pursue guidance. Right? They are too interested in the world or in an occupation or in chasing money or in pastimes or pleasures or whatever it might be. They're too preoccupied to be spending their time wanting to, be, to learn comprehension in religion. So therefore Allah does not intend goodness for them. So these are the people who don't gain understanding in, in the religion. And they, you know, so they are abandoned. And obviously as it relates to, to the believers, then, you know, um, there are some to whom Allah intends goodness and they have a great deal of goodness. And there are others whom Allah might give understanding in some aspects of the religion as opposed to others. Right? So they lose a large part of goodness. So it's not like yes or no, that Allah treats every servant in accordance with what he wants. Right? So if you are a person, as we find many of the Muslims, that they just are preoccupied in, for example, a profession, a career, earning money, trying to develop a status in the, in, in the community, in the society. You know, I want my children to be doctors or, or lawyers so that everyone can look these very intelligent, clever people so they can earn lots of money. Right? And his whole preoccupation is to do this. Right? And he sleeps in the, in the night, he wakes in the morning, all he's thinking of is, is making money to, you know, for, that, for that purpose, then Allah will not give that person understanding in the religion. He will leave him. Because that's what you pursue, that's what you want. Right? And other people who want fiqh, who want comprehension in Allah's religion, they pursue it, they seek it, they take all the means for it, which is to attend the lectures, attend the lessons, attend the masajid, where Allah's name is being mentioned, where Allah's religion is being taught, then Allah will bestow them with fiqh, with understanding in the religion. And they will have the goodness of this life and the next. Right? So, so anyway, so this is the first benefit that we take about this hadith. What is the benefit? First benefit is that there are two categories of people in relation to this hadith. Those to whom Allah intends to show goodness and those to whom Allah does not intend to show goodness. There is no third category. You are either here or you are, you, you are either here. Right? So inshallah we'll, we'll stop at this point and we'll conclude inshallah the remainder of the explanation from the Shaykh inshallah in the next lesson. Um, so we'll conclude here, Alhamdulillah, this is the hadith of Mu'awiyah bin Abi Sufyan, anhu, from the greatest of the companions. So you should remember the details about Mu'awiyah and obviously the explanation of the hadith. We've started and we conclude it next week, inshallah ta'ala. Walhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu ala Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa